Hello and welcome to this Herbert Smith Free Hills podcast. My name is Thananjay Chak and I'm a senior associate in the Energy, Natural Resources and Infrastructure team in London. I have the pleasure of being joined by William Breeze, partner in my team, and Nicola Kim, senior associate in my team. Will, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, how long you've been at the firm and what you do? Thanks very much, DJ. As DJ said, I'm a partner in the Energy, Natural Resources and Infrastructure Finance practice here. I've been at the firm for slightly more than 11 years, of which slightly more than seven are a partner. My practice focuses on extractives, particularly oil and gas. It might sound counterintuitive for a lawyer like me to be talking about ESG, but I hope that in the course of this podcast, I can convince you otherwise. Nikki. Hi, my name is Nicola. I'm a senior associate in the Energy, Natural Resources and Infrastructure Finance team. Um, I've been at the firm for over five years. Excellent. And we're all here to talk about ESG and how that's relevant to the energy and infrastructure space. Nikki, can you just take us through what the what all this buzz is about? What are the latest developments in ESG and why is everyone talking about it? We saw a big increase in sustainable debt issuance in 2020. The total sustainable debt issuance in 2020 was around 732 billion, which is a staggering figure. There was a slight dip in sustainability linked loans and green loans in 2020 as the banks were focused on short term liquidity um, for the borrowers due to COVID. But sustainability continues to permeate many decision making processes for both lenders and borrowers and sustainable debt issuance looks to be continuing on an upward trend. Excellent and Will you referred to the word extractives which is basically hydrocarbons isn't it so can you talk our listeners through why sustainable loans why green loans are useful in the extractives or hydrocarbon sector? Yes, of course, DJ. So extractives is hydrocarbons, but also metals and mining, basically anything you're taking out of the ground. And green lanes perhaps are less useful because a green lane, of course, has to focus on a green project. And in order to satisfy the criteria under the green lane principles that have been put out by the LMA, the APLMA and the LSTA, uh, the criteria there are not restrictive, but certainly quite prescriptive, which means that a lot of extractives deals won't satisfy the criteria. Sustainability linked loans, on the other hand, I think are a fantastic tool for extractives companies because part of it is simply looking to improve what the business is doing. Now, uh, you might look at a solar farm and think that that's got brilliant performance on the environmental basis. Yes, it has, but there's not so much scope to get things better. Whereas uh, an oil refinery, for example, can make big improvements, whether it is reducing emissions, uh, reducing water usage, this is just the environmental side of things. You can also make improvements on the social and governance fronts. So I think ESG loans or sustainability loans were a really useful tool in the extractives business. Excellent. It's really from where you start to where you end up with the sustainability linked loans. Nikki, I believe you've been working on quite a lot of matters in the um, sustainability linked space. Can you talk us through some of the limitations that you've seen, some of the challenges that you've come across while doing these deals? I think um, for these deals, there is a threat of greenwashing. Um, So that can occur if sustainability targets are not sufficiently ambitious or meaningful. Um, And there's also lack of transparency when it comes to measuring the borrower's performance against the sustainability targets. 
Um, for sustainability targets, the LMA has published its revised sustainability linked loan principles in May 2021, and that sets out guidelines to ensure that the targets are ambitious and meaningful yet achievable. Um, parties are also encouraged to seek external review as to the appropriateness of the sustainability targets. Um, and this was evident in one of the deals um, that we worked on recently for an upstream, uh, it was a refinancing for an upstream oil and gas company. And um, that that had two uh, sustainability targets. One was carbon emission intensity, taking into account scope one and scope two emissions, calculated by the methodology defined in the greenhouse gas protocol. There was also the parent group's target to source a certain percentage of its energy from renewable electricity sources. Um, and these were meaningful and ambitious targets for, for the borrower. Um, and and also the borrowers was encouraged to seek external review by um, appointing a sustainability auditor and submitting annual um, audit reports on its sustainability. So Nikki, has there been any pushback from borrowers on bearing the cost for these certifications and reporting requirements? On the deals that we've seen, we've not seen any pushback from the borrowers on, on who who bears the costs um, and the borrower has been happy to bear the costs in these instances. Brilliant. And Will, have you come across other challenges while doing sustainability linked loans? It's a good question, DJ. I think one of the challenges faced is that there's not yet um, a sort of confirmed set of, of benchmarks, a standard set of sustainability performance targets or key performance indicators for sustainability linked transactions. As Nikki said in, in the deal she was just talking about, they were bespoke KPIs to ensure satisfaction of the sustainability targets. I suppose that's a positive as well, of course, because you can tailor the KPIs to the business and make sure they are appropriately uh, ambitious yet achievable. There is no one size fits all. So, for example, a reduction in carbon emissions would be, I think, an appropriate uh, KPI for a hydrocarbons business, perhaps rather less for a mine. But then tailings, the uh, improvement of um, care and maintenance at a tailings dam is obviously mine specific and has got no bearing on an oil refinery, say. Um, if you're looking for more um, sort of generally objectively applicable KPIs, you might look at um, improvement of uh, gender equality in the workforce, improvements in the sourcing of local products. Uh, improvements in the the hiring of uh, local local people into the workforce, um, potentially even looking at the governance aspect, uh, you might look at an improvement in data security performance, and and that might seem like a strange thing to to count as a KPI, but given uh, the importance of cybersecurity these days, and particularly how a lot of extractives uh, facilities can count as core infrastructure to a national economy. Uh, cybersecurity is hugely important. And so that is, I think, a realistic basis to establish uh, an ESG KPI there. Brilliant. And um, as you say, this is a, a developing area. There's lots of uh, there's a lot of buzz around it. So, uh, Nikki, maybe you can start with this one. Um, can you talk us about talk to us about the latest trends and the attitudes of lenders in, in this market? and what they're really doing to be incentivizing compliance with these sustainability principles. Yeah, I think there, there is a real momentum behind ESG finance. Banks and institutional investors are 
uh, seeing sustainable debt as an important part of their investment strategy. Um, and it's a way to increase the resilience and the lifespan of the assets that they invest in. Um, the sustainability linked financings, uh, as Will mentioned, can play a role in bridging the financing gap um, in the energy transition for oil and gas companies, creates accountability for the borrower because they have to take steps to meet the agreed sustainability targets. And it provides incentives for the borrower to meet the targets because their ESG improvements translate into cheaper debt. And um, so, for example, on these uh, on the loan with sustainability linked aspects that we recently worked on, um, the if the borrower met its sustainability targets and then its margin uh, on the on the loan reduced, um, and if the borrower failed to meet the sustainability targets, and then the margin would go would um, go upwards. Um, so that was an incentive for the borrower to um, to take steps to hit the agreed targets. And will have you seen anything different in the market that you've been uh, operating in, or is it quite similar to what Nicholas just said? No, I agree with what Nikki says. Um, good, good points all there. And, and, and as Nikki says, it's the increase in ESG lending. And I think particularly the rise in sustainability linked loans is driven uh, by bank policies, but also by what society is requiring. And then there's a wider point. You know, if one accepts that the world does still need some hydrocarbons and that metals and minerals are important for the energy transition, those hydrocarbons should be extracted. Those metals and minerals should be mined in the best way possible. That is making sure that environmental damage is as limited as possible, social impact is as positive as possible, that governance is as good as possible. Sustainability-linked loans help drive that, and so lenders can help drive uh, the, the attitudes and approaches and the activities of borrowers to make sure that they are as, as sustainable and as positive as possible. And then just very quickly to pick up on a second point, uh, when Nikki was talking about the margin premium if KPIs are not hit under a sustainability linked loan. There's some discussion around what should be done with, with that and, and we're seeing three different options. Number one, the money goes to charity as with the Supton transaction which closed last month. A very good, a very positive thing. Number two, the premium is applied to fix the problem. You know, whatever the reason was that the borrower didn't achieve that KPI, the margin increase is used to fix that. The third school of thought says that the lenders should receive the premium. The basis for this being they've lent to a company or to a business that they think is a bit less risky because it's being compliant with the, the principles and the KPIs. If it doesn't achieve those, the bank should be compensated for that risk. We haven't yet seen loans with that in, but we are hearing increasing chatter about it in the market. Fantastic. Thank you, Will and Nicola. It's it's already been a fascinating area of uh, developing law as we speak. We're seeing lots and lots of buzz around ESG. We're going to be putting a note out alongside this podcast so you can read up more on um, sustainability principles and sustainability linked loans. Um, and uh, yeah, that's um, that is the podcast. Thank you very much for joining me. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, see you on the next one.